Welcome to the lamppost. All right, so how do you achieve happiness? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um <clears throat> I think that it's probably one of those things that it's hard to speak generally for people. I think that there's different ways you can go about being happy and we can talk about what it even means to be happy. And even if that is actually the goal in the end, but speaking for myself, I think that there are a couple sort of, there are these three ingredients that I think help with with being happy one is being patient one is uh being grateful and the other is not being willful and sort of allowing yourself to go through life feeling those things and practicing those things i think make uh for sort of an environment in which you can be happy. Uh, nice. I think one of the things about the idea of not being willful or being patient and being grateful is this idea of not having this expectation or this desire for things to be another way than they are. Cause I think mm -hmm. a lot of unhappiness comes from that. Right. Either you're trying to get somewhere where you're not and you're not happy that you're not there or something's happening to you that you're not happy about. And so you're focusing on why is this thing happening to me? I don't want this to be happening or I don't want to be going through this experience. And if you can focus on being grateful in that moment or uh, being patient uh, and removing your will, I think a lot of times, a lot of the negative feelings in those moments sort of go away. Nice. Yeah, I've definitely heard from sources that uh <laughs> sources <great. laughs> who shall be, remain anonymous uh that yeah gratefulness like over anything mm -hmm. being grateful is like a great great way to be to boost happiness i was thinking a, a bit about this week it kind of goes in line with the willfulness or the patience it seems to there seems to be a line where Feel like a little bit of impatience or willfulness can greatly help mm. like if you're in a tough situation um and not just accepting well it's like i don't think those are necessarily necessarily mutually exclusive either so mm -hmm. it's, i feel like you could be in a situation where you're you're not happy where you are but and you're taking all the steps to get to improve that situation mm -hmm. willfully, but at the same time, you're accepting of where you are and this whole situation as a whole. It's kind of a fine, fine line of wanting a change, but also being okay with where you're at. Right. I think it's tricky for me because by saying, by me saying, don't be willful, I don't mean don't take action. Right. And so it, it, it can seem like to take action, you have to be willful to take action. 
But I think that there's a way of sort of, we've talked about this in the past, saying yes to a situation. Or it's hard to describe it without sounding just sort of new agey or or some sort of, uh, to have it sound in some way that I don't really want to sound. But it, it's sort of feeling in harmony with the world. I think that like if you open yourself up to the world and you are patient and grateful and you allow yourself to feel sort of like the way things are going and then you just gently mm -hmm. go with them. Uh, I think that can help. Sometimes I think about it, it's almost like playing Jenga mm -hmm. where when it's your turn, like you go up to a piece and you poke it and you're like, okay, that's not ready to move yet. And then you find the piece that's ready to move. And so you're exerting the action, the, the effort and maybe even being willful by checking each piece but if it doesn't budge naturally, I think that that's a sign. And so yeah. I think maybe like taking, trying things, but also being aware of how it feels. Does it feel right. natural? Nice. A quick note, the way I play Jenga is a hardcore <laughs> mode where once you touch a piece, you have to take that one. <laughs> right. So that's not very happy. <laughs> no, no, but it, it's a good practice of accepting your, uh, your situation, <laughs> your situation and, uh, and having to, to persevere or lose. That's true. It, <laughs> it is good at that. <laughs> uh, I think one other thing that just occurred to me is having a purpose. I think that makes a big difference. And we've talked about this also in, on past episodes and it's something that has, I think maybe in the past 10 years for me, become increasingly important. I would say in college, I didn't consider purpose too much. I remember one of our one year in baseball, our motto was driven by purpose. Uh, oh, yeah. But in general, I remember like thinking about purpose in college and it sort of seemed like this thing that, that people who, uh, like people who needed something, like people who couldn't just be content with nothing needed purpose to be happy. And it seemed like some sort of like lesser way of being in the world yeah. to me at the time. But as I've started to receive more like a feeling of purpose from engaging with the world and engaging with community, I don't see it that way anymore. I think that that purpose is, uh, it's a really powerful feeling. And, and when your purpose is, is in concert with other people's purposes, that's a really special feeling too. Nice. Yeah. For, for me, the purpose, it, it's almost my purpose feels so general that I don't have it in the forefront of my mind very often. Mm -hmm. Um, so it seems like there could be different levels of purposes based on uh, the goal you're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, how I was just thinking, like, how is a purpose different from a goal? Is, is a goal, is a purpose like an ultimate goal? And then, which can be break be broken down into... Interesting. Goals? Interesting. Perhaps uh, that, that could be one definition. I think when I think of purpose... What do I think of when I when I say that word? I mean, there's two primary things that come to mind. I suppose three for me. Um, there's the first one that comes to mind is 
purpose, my, my writing, my, my, so I guess my goals of writing and, and that the, the long-term sort of vision I have there and fulfilling that vision. Another is at work. Uh, that's more of this intellectual purpose where I've sort of uh, like the, the writing one feels like a soul thing. It's like, that's just who I am. And I just know it's important to me. And it's, it's like sort of orienting my, my life. The work purpose is one where it's this, I have accepted this responsibility in a community that I enjoy being a part of. And my purpose is to fit into that community and to improve it in the little, my little area. And then the other purpose is to, it comes down to sort of relationships, friends and family, and a purpose of being there for those people. And, uh, so when I say, when I'm using the purpose in, in those terms, I guess it, it sort of is synonymous with goals, but it feels instead of like, there's a subjective at the end, it's mm -hmm. this orientation. So I wonder if purpose is more of an orientation. Right. It's like a goal without a, a deadline necessarily. Right. It's sort of the goal is simply to act in a certain way indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. For my purposes. Yeah. I, I haven't even, even given it much thought. It's more, more aligned to making sure that I'm aligned with my own, my own self and that I'm doing what I want to be doing, which mentioned a few times now but yeah no i think that fundamentally that's probably i would say that's also my fundamental purpose but i think i've noticed through introspection that at this current time in my life those smaller purposes are ones that sort of uh are go into that nice but i think that's a good point i think that really that's that's the fundamental thing but that idea, like, what do you think it means? Like, did you use the word alignment or was I just thinking of that? I don't remember. So I guess my, my question is, I kind of want you to expand on that idea a little bit more. I know we've talked about in the past, but because I think that's a, a key thing about being happy, right? Is feeling like mm -hmm. you're living the life that is yours. Right. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think it, a key to, a key to happy. Well, first off, I don't think happiness is necessarily something that you can strive to achieve. Well, that's like, I'm going to choose to be happy. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think that's a, a realistic, uh, choice. I don't think happiness is a choice. I think it comes as a result of, um, essentially this alignment that we were talking about mm -hmm. as one aspect of it where if I had to describe it, it would be just somewhat of an intuition of, I feel, I feel like you understand you can get a feeling whenever a situation comes up, how it feels uh, intuitively or even physically, like in your heart mm -hmm. or like you can actually feel emotions physically and which is crazy. Yeah. And it's like when you're, 
if you're not feeling, if you're feeling sad, it's interesting to, to note how much is it actually the physical feeling that you're mm -hmm. feeling, which is make, which makes it even feel worse. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's like, once you realize the actual physical feeling itself, it can help separate mm -hmm. the situation from actual pain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, and I think, I think it's a practice. You, you get, you get more sensitive to how you feel to certain situations and then act, act how you want to act. And then, um, ideally without, you know, if you're, I've noticed some people tend to, um, really put others in the forefront or perf uh, instead of, uh, focusing on their own well-being, they're focused mm -hmm. so on the outside on other people and making sure people are happy at their own expense. Right. And I think we all do that to some extent, but being aware of when that's happening, um, is important. Yeah. I think that, that, that makes me think of this, this idea that I know we've talked about a lot and, and I, I think, I feel like I see this a lot. Of course, I can't really know someone else's inner life. Um, but you see people who perhaps they like to gossip a lot or they like to, uh, feel, it almost seems like they like to feel bad or they like to, to be a victim or they like to sort of wallow in bad feelings Right. And focus on the negative. And it seems like they're unhappy, but then there's a part of, of me that's like, well, there's something in them that enjoys that. Even if it's the sort of inverted type of joy, there's something about them that in them that they're, they're, they're getting something out of that, that makes them perpetuate that way of right. being in the world. And so I think that it's also important to notice I think like what you said, separating the pain from the physical experience and, and separating the pain from the actual event that causes the pain. Right. I think all that is important to sort of parse the different parts of it so that you can understand why you react in a situation. And a lot of times it seems like people blame external experiences for how they're feeling when from my perspective, it's almost always internal reaction to external environment. Yeah, that's super interesting. Because, well, being a victim, it, it makes you feel, it's like you're feeling alive. Like, mm. it's some sort of feeling that, it, and it's like, it's not your fault. You had no choice. Like, these things happen to you. So it takes some of the blame off of your yeah. own self for your own feeling. Yeah. You know what that makes me think of? And I want to ask you about the word meaning and if that plays any role here. And I know meaning is a tricky word, but to preface that, I want to build off that idea. So let me think how I can put it. When I first started to write poetry, for example, I remember I really liked to write dark, intense poems. Although I'm not a particularly dark or intense person, mm -hmm. but there was something about writing these poems that due to their darkness and intensity, I felt 
like that gave them meaning. I sort of confused intensity with meaning. And I wonder if that's sort of what's happening when you say it makes you feel alive as a victim. You're confusing this, uh, the sort of the intensity of that experience with a positive feeling because you're feeling alive, but really you're, you're sort of misidentifying the, what's happening there. Hmm. When I think of meaning, well, yeah, it's, it's about what the definition of meaning, the first thing that popped up was like, what is necessarily the difference between meaning and purpose? Right. Well, it seems to me that meaning like happiness might be a result. I know, for example, um, there's this idea that the more responsibility you take on in your life, voluntary responsibility, the more burdens you, you bear, so to speak, the more meaningful you experience life because you are engaging with life and you are having this active experience and that meaning sort of precipitates out of that. Right. But meaning yeah, is a very tricky term. How would you define meaning? Yeah, I think there are a couple, a few definitions. Um, yeah, the first, which what I was thinking of was essentially a purpose. Like what do I want to get meaning from in life? Mm. But yeah, it's like the results, the result of whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, how it makes you feel. Um, one thing I, I wanted to, I forgot to mention when I was talking about the alignment with the inner and outer world mm -hmm. is I'm curious what you think, because it's kind of a, a strange idea, but I believe it is that we have no choice to be doing what we want. Like we are automatically doing what we want mm -hmm. all the time. Um, just by the fact that we're doing it. Like you wake up and it's like, Oh, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> like you're in bed. It's like, well, there is an alternative. Right. <laughs> you don't right. have to. <laughs> right. But it, uh, another part of you is like, well, I want all these other things that's associated with work. And so they override exactly. that smaller want. Right. It's the consequences. Like you're just always weighing the consequences of actions and choosing the p the path of least resistance. I mean, I tend to think that that seems true. It seems logical to me that we're doing mm -hmm. what we want. So so I think that having that idea, it kind of just takes some pressure off because you don't have to be so conflicted about. And then once you actually do go to work, it's like, oh, I want to go to work, mm -hmm. obviously, because I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and I think also it can help with those times where you're like, you're torn between doing two different things. Like perhaps you're in a relationship and you're mm -hmm. not sure if you want to stay in that relationship or perhaps uh, 
you're not sure if you want to change careers or who knows, these sort of big life questions that can be really difficult. I think that there are times where it's like, oh, I don't know what I what what I want to do. And it and it's like you can know to yourself in that moment that right now you don't want to do anything. <laughs> right. Because if you haven't made a decision, like you you want to stay in the situation that you're in because you're in it. If you want to actually change that, uh, then you will and you'll know once you do it. Because <laughs> you did it. <laughs> now I think that where this can get tricky is there are times where it seems like due to perhaps maybe trauma in someone's past that mm. they respond to situations in, in ways that could be considered pathological. And perhaps they are not responding to it in a way that if they were acting out of, let's say, their best selves or their true right. self, let's say their true self, maybe they would they would be acting differently. And right. so it's times where maybe you are always doing what you want to do, but maybe you're not always being your true self. Your true self's not always guiding you in that. And maybe that's where there's a complication here. Right. Yeah. Like this, this system requires a calibrated, uh, prediction of consequences model. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> in order to work properly. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure what what you would do in that situation. I think you just have to practice being in touch with your true self. I think that's probably the first step. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that if you want to live a a meaningful life, then that's simply probably the first step. And talking to people. Right. Talk, I mean, I think talking is a huge part of finding out who you are um, and trying things. Um, well, I, okay. What I wanted to ask you is what is one of the happiest moments in your life? I was actually thinking about this earlier because it was something I, th I thought might be brought up. And... It's really hard to say for me. I don't know why. Like, I really can't. Um, well, so I'll, I'll have to say, because it, it, it's not, it's hard, it's hard to describe a happy moment. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I would explain it more like exciting or euphoric. Right. Like when I, when I think of happiness, I, it's more kind of just like a general kind of boring <laughs> <laughs> it's more uh, like the absence of bad <laughs> <laughs> right exactly um so if I, if I were to say the the happiest or most euphoric moments uh the, what, those first times like playing music live in front of people mm. um those are definitely up there on just like i felt like i was just tripping yeah <laughs> like was that uh, at principia yeah, those those yeah. come up the most. Well, yeah, it's interesting because I I played music live before that. Mm -hmm. Like in high school, I was playing in the jazz band, and I don't know why I didn't. It didn't get the same feeling as playing in college, like when we played at Starbucks. Yeah, I feel like part of it is probably just our connection when we were playing. 
Yeah, and playing your own music. Too. Playing your own music plays a plays a huge role. Yeah, yeah, those were those were good times. <laughs> those were good. And uh, and so it's what's interesting is the the ult like the highs of those moments of playing music live mm-hmm. as has almost turned from the euphoria to more of like a, uh, going down to happiness, like just general, just glad or happy. Like, even though I've played, you know, in front of packed venues Mm -hmm. with way more people, way more exciting, uh, you know, it's a show. Yeah. And songs are like more complex and like just more, you playing with more people. Yeah. It's not like the high still isn't as much as like, I almost don't even feel anything. Like it's just like, interesting. it's just having fun. Do you think that's just because it's you're used to it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's still a, such a, so fun and it's a blast, but it right, it's right. Not, it feels normal. I and it feels normal now. Yeah, I think that it certainly also. I don't know if you've noticed this. I, I mean, you're kind of saying this with music, but I'm wondering if you've sort of experienced this in your life in general because I think I have that those really intense, excited, like high moments of happiness become fewer and farther between Mm -hmm. still like having a great time. (laughs) Right. In general, or, uh, I would say in general. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I also think it makes those moments really special when you have them now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cause it has to be something new for it Mm -hmm. to happen. Right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So, yeah, those moments are on my list. There's been lots of moments where we're hanging out that I, I think have been, like, at the top of the list. One that came to mind that I was thinking, and it, I don't know if it's right to call this happiness. So there's two things I want to talk about. The first one was, I guess I would generally consider it the most profound spiritual experience I've had, but it was such an overwhelming sense of pure joy that I think it has to be on that list of like happiness for me. And it was when I was living in Boston. Let's see, it was early twenties and I was reading a book called the awakening of intelligence by Krishnamurti, who's this Eastern philosophical thinker. And I had a day off from work. And so I was just taking the subway, the tea all around town and I was going to bookstores, but I had this book with me. And so every bookstore I went into, I just sat down and was reading this book. I wasn't even reading any of the the books at the store, really. <laughs> I just couldn't put it down. And I was just like soaking it up. And then I actually, I called you during the experience. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was, so, and then I had to go meet up with some people to play music. And I, I got off the tee and I was walking down the street and I was thinking about all these ideas And then I just felt this overwhelming sense of oneness and connection and like wholeness and just total unconditional love. And I started crying on the sidewalk as I was walking. It was just so overwhelming and and beautiful um, and just powerful. And so that that's and then I called you. um, Nice to tell you about it. Uh, and, and so, and it was brief, but it was, it was on, it was unbelievable. And I've never really had an experience that quite reached out again. 
And then this other one is not well, I don't know how to how to how I would categorize it as being in life, but so I was trying one of those past life regression meditations. It's the only one I've ever tried. Mm-hmm. Just to remember past life. Yeah. And during it, you I you pick out different moments from a past life. So you, it's a guided meditation and it'll be like, okay, think about a job you had in that life. Think about some experience. And so at one point they say, think about the happiest moment you've ever, you had in that life. And I immediately was on this porch. It was like this wraparound farmer's porch. It was sunset. And I was sitting next to my wife. And I looked over at her and shook over at me and we just smiled. And then we went back to looking at the sunset. And it was... It was not a, an overwhelming moment, not a, a particularly spec, spectacular moment, but there was such deep peace in that feeling. It's the only thing I remember. Well, I remember one other aspect, but it's really the only other thing I remember from that guided meditation. It stuck with me. Whether wow. or not it's it's real, that feeling I felt in the meditation, like I felt in life, and it was yeah. such an interesting feeling, and it was really this wild experience where I don't know whether if I made it up, it's like my brain made this thing up in the moment that was not this overwhelming moment. It was just this deeply peaceful and relaxing and beautiful moment. And so I've always thought that's very interesting that that was what happened. That's cool. Nice. So uh, what role does money play in happiness? I mean, I think, I think it matters. I think you have to, if you don't have to worry about money. Okay. Here's the thing. I I should, I should rephrase that. I don't think it matters on some level. I think that you can be happy no matter what. I think that the pathway to happiness is a lot smoother and easier if you don't have to worry about money too much or at all. I don't think you have to be super wealthy. I don't think you have to have a lot of things. I think once you reach a certain level where you're you're like safe and comfortable, I think that's really all you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and able to feel like you're not just searching for your next meal. I think that would make it really tough to be happy. I think you could be happy. Yeah. But I think that that level of of insecurity would be difficult to overcome. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'm along the same lines where money doesn't necessarily give happiness, but it prevents unhappiness. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and although if someone's enlightened, I feel like that that's kind of like what enlightenment is, is like irrelevant of external factors yeah that's how i interpret it um, you feel essentially in that state of it's hard to say an emotion but it's like a state of just connection and i, I don't think it's necessarily an emotion mm-hmm. um, but it's i guess happiness <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i had to yeah, I think again it seems to come down to this idea of like 
like I, I believe that we have the power to be happy no matter what our condition is. And I think that sometimes that idea, people don't like that idea because it puts responsibility upon you. Right. And it's easy to say when you're not in a bad situation right. at all. <laughs> that's that's another part I'll, of it. It's like, I yeah, I believe that, but we'll see if I'm ever in a, just an absolutely terrible situation. Maybe. Right. Like if I was in a found. labor camp in North Korea, right. could I be happy? That's the real test. Should we go? <laughs> Let's practice it. Let's practice a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I wanted to mention was uh, how important just taking care of your body is mm. to being happy. Like we think of the mind pretty much purely, mm-hmm. but it's like, if you're not feeling good one day, it's easy to disc- uh to give the reason that you're not feeling good is because of something that happened. But also it's like, have you been eating well? Have you been exercising? Have you drink it? Have you drank enough water? Right. Been sleeping. Have you been sleeping? Like, yeah, it's crazy. Getting social, social connections, like not sleeping well for a few days and you'll feel totally different. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, that's a really good point. So it's like once you've checked all those things, then you can start to investigate the the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I think then that makes me wonder, do you think, what role do you think spirituality plays in happiness? I suppose we've kind of been circling around that, mm-hmm. but I think we've been talking about more practical aspects. But do you think having right. some sort of belief system, even if it's, even if that belief system is being an atheist, do you think having some belief system that you've thought about and that helps you orient yourself in the world is is important for happiness or not? I think it depends on the person. Mm. But in general, I would say, yeah. Because, um, I mean, it's like we are here. <laughs> so I feel like it's got to be a slight thought in at least and pretty much everyone's mind is like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. 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 I pretty much never stopped thinking that. Do you think that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I know people that don't think that as much. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think everyone thinks about it, but just at various varying degrees. And right. maybe it's more subconscious, but and it seems like some people maybe try to avoid thinking about it and therefore like fill their lives up with things. Right. But well, it's scary. It is scary. I know. To really think about the the total mystery of existence, to feel that, to sit with that feeling of the total yeah. unknowing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we are on this, it seems like we're on this just tiny speck of dust in the universe. And we sort of blip into existence for a little while. And then yeah. we don't know for sure, but it looks like people just sort of die and <laughs> then blip out of existence. And it's like in all that vastness, there's this moment of consciousness. I mean, anyway, it's it, incredible. It's, it's incredible. And that's why I think to, it. those are the sort of things I think about that make me really grateful 
no matter what's happening in my life, I can turn to that and be like, I get to just see this day. Mm -hmm. I get to have an experience at least right now. I don't know when that experience will end or if it'll end because we don't know what happens with consciousness. But I think that that's always something that really helps me feel gratitude, even if like the circumstances of the day are frustrating or, or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. I, I can't help but smile. Like when I think of, of that, um, it, it's almost just like a, a huge challenge. It's like a challenge mm-hmm. the universe. I don't know why it feels like a challenge. I, I probably isn't. <laughs> you just like to feel like it's a challenge. You uh, want yeah, to I, feel like it's a challenge. Yeah. yeah. It's just like the universe is just like, do what you will. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And the fact that we can experience the feeling of beauty, mm-hmm. that is to me the, the, the most sacred gift. Yeah. I feel like beauty has a, a a little bit of gratefulness built into it. I think so. When you see something beautiful, yeah, I think you feel that gratitude is in there because mm-hmm. you're happy to be looking at it. Yeah, gratitude. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So look at beautiful things. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good, that's a good, yeah. good idea. <laughs>